0: there, everyone. Welcome to the Women Wired for Wellness podcast presented by Holistic Icon. I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chalam. This podcast was created to fulfill my obsession for the understanding of why we struggle with symptoms, the science behind them, and the reason why most women suffer for years before they seek solutions for their troubling symptom. I'm also very passionate about teaching both my patients and people who come in contact with us, as it helps me empower myself and them with knowledge. What kind of knowledge are we talking about? The knowledge that our health is probably the one asset we all can control. This control begins with knowing all that has been known about it. It is not simply about knowing a disease and considering medications as the only option. Because that might be the only option when you are nearing death. But to truly live a fulfilling life, we need to know how to tap into our innate nature to heal and all the possible qualities, including developing grit, passion, and consistency. If this podcast has helped you or opened your eyes to a different path, please take time to leave a positive review. And if you felt we fell short somehow, would you let us know how to improve it? Now, without any further delay, let's get on with today's podcast. Hey guys, so this is another podcast which I think really speaks to a very simple and common function. Something that we just take for granted. Something a lot of people have trouble with but don't realize that they have trouble with. And as Dr. Matthew Walker in his book, Why We Sleep, He mentions if I were to give you a drug that will make you look beautiful, keep you slim and trim, takes away anxiety and depression, creates great memory, makes you perform at your peak at all times, and actually prevents cancer, increases your immunity, would you take the drug? And the answer is yes. What we don't realize is we have it wired in us to be able to embrace this habit of great sleep. So if you're one of those who struggles either to initiate sleep or to stay asleep or has early awakening, let me tell you that is probably the one thing you absolutely need to pay attention and try to fix. Not by taking a sleeping medicine, but by looking at your habits that might be feeding into the insomnia or habits that might be keeping you awake without your knowledge or keeping you in a state that you feel, hey, I just need five or six hours of sleep. And that is not true. So what you will understand from this podcast and the show notes, a couple of things. How crucial sleep is for our metabolic processes. How crucial sleep is for our beauty. How crucial crucial sleep is for our performance, both mental and physical. I cannot emphasize enough that sleep is probably a very important vital sign. In fact, when people come to our office for their visits as they're doing a program with us, one of the first questions on that document that they have to fill is about their sleep and the second is the bowel movement. And I've told you the bowels are your second brain. So we ask and we speak about your brain, is it taking enough rest? Does it have enough rest? And you may be surprised if you actually focus on trying to get sleep and look at the show notes to see what you might have to do and listen to the podcast, the chances are you're going to get a very, very sound sleep. So once again, I've tried to put in a lot of information in a very short podcast Hopefully you get a lot out of it. And as always, please like the podcast, download it, give us a review, whatever you can do to help us continue to provide information will be appreciated. Once again, without any further delay, go ahead and listen to our podcast on sleep. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about sleep and a lot of times, one of the things that the reasons why I wanted to bring up sleep was two weeks ago, I was down with the flu, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. I have been whining about how it's disrupted my sleep. And I didn't realize um, how important sleep has been. Um, I I think I do realize from a medical standpoint, when somebody comes and says they haven't been able to sleep, it's a a very crucial um, problem. But why do we even sleep? Because I remember the very first years of medical school, One of the things that we were taught as medical schools, I remember being a first year clinic. So which means I finished my two years of basic sciences and I was going into the clinics. And one of the nephrologists who was um, who we all considered as God, you know, some of these teachers are like God for us. And he I remember him very distinctly saying, if you need more than four hours of sleep, you have no business being a doctor. So that's my excuse. (laughs) That's the only thing. (laughs) And I I remember thinking, oh my God, four hours of sleep. And I struggled all those years to try and get it to four hours because I took his word as gospel. And, you know, you would be surprised the number of executives in various companies. will say, you know, my my Mm -hmm. boss was answering emails till 1 a.m. And then he's uh, sharp at six o'clock. He's dressed and he's in the office. So that's the kind of persona of a very successful person Mm
1: -hmm. you're up at four in the morning jogging Mm -hmm. outside
0: yeah and we feel perfect and you actually went to bed around 12 30 and that's all sleep you need and you'll find a lot of people saying you know i just need three or four hours of sleep i don't need any more
1: three or four hours of sleep every two hours (laughs) no that's where i'm at
0: (laughs) so uh People actually say they're proud about it. They uh, they actually say, I don't need much sleep. And I used to be one of those. I just need five or six hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. So one of the experiments I will tell you guys to do is for one week, maybe you should, I don't know if you have a workplace where you can go in late or you may have to move your bedtime just for one week, go to bed at a reasonable time, which is at sunset and wake up without an alarm. And look at how your body and your mind feels for that one week alone. We're not talking about, you know, trying to watch the nightly news, the 11 o'clock news, or trying to get the hour of me time after the kids go to bed and, you know, all those excuses we give ourselves, or I, I just need to... Just check the Facebook post just before I go to sleep. I just want to see if somebody responded to what I posted about two minutes ago. And and then again, two minutes, you're refreshing and trying to see. now let me see who else has posted. One
1: more scroll, just one more more (laughs) scroll. And then
0: we refresh again. So instead of doing all of that, go to bed at the time, like say around 8.30, 9.00 and actually wake up without an alarm and see the difference. And I'll tell you the reason why you need to do that. We need to understand why we sleep, right? Think about it, as animals, if they go to sleep, I think they would be more vulnerable to be killed. Like if a deer is sleeping and a hungry tiger comes along the way, I think it's gonna get killed. So why do we actually need to sleep? And for you know, eons, for centuries, for you know, several generations, Sleep is one thing that evolution has not eliminated, and there's a very good reason why we sleep. What happens to your body when you actually sleep? When you really look at the uh, dictionary definition, it's a voluntary shutdown of our activities, of uh, voluntary activities, it's a shutdown of these activities. You're almost in a comatose state, but not necessarily in a coma. So there are several stages to sleep. There are The four main stages, the first two stages are where you're getting into a deep sleep and the last two stages are really deep sleep. The deep sleep you see in infants, you know, there are times and anybody who's had a baby has done this, they're sleeping, they look so beautiful in the cradle and they, it almost like you want to wake them up because you want to interact with them, but they're in such deep sleep. So that's the stage of deep sleep. And that stage of deep sleep, we begin to lose as we get older. And we start losing it in our 20s. And all the way by the 80s, it's almost negligible. Wow. So something that was almost greater than 50% of our sleep becomes less than 5% by the time we're in our 80s. So there is a change, um, an aging change to sleep. But at the same time, you have to understand why do we even sleep? The way we understand why we sleep is obviously to see what are the functions in the body that actually get performed when you're in, when you're sleeping. So there are two stages of sleep. One is called non REM sleep and rapid eye movements is what we call it. And the other is REM sleep. And we cycle through this every 90 minutes throughout the night. Now, the REM sleep is the last one just before we wake up. We always go to sleep in a non-rep state. No, no rapid eye movements, you're tr- trying to drift off and go to sleep. And then when you're waking up, is the time that you have that dream, the dream that you want to finish. You want to get to the ending, but mm-hmm. and you want to actually create the ending. Like you're stuck in a train, you're going somewhere, and you don't know where you're going, and you want to create that place where you're going, but you can never finish the dream. That's your REM sleep. Now, what happens is when you go to sleep, your brain actually does a phenomenal uh, amount of its work. So, whatever you learned during the day or whatever your experiences during the day, it begins to start connecting these experiences and creating new memories. That's number one. Number two, part, the REM part, It collects these new memories that you got and connects it with an old memory to see, hey, are these two connected? It's like a Google search page, right? You put uh, something, you search for something. Mm -hmm. The first three searches are exactly what you're looking for. And the last 25 pages are irrelevant stuff. But when you dig into the article, it's relevant to your search. So that's what the brain does. It actually creates connections. And how do we know that? People who do not sleep on a regular basis in the nighttime, which are a shift workers, pilots who go through different time zones, air hosters, what they find is their memory is, their retention is poor mm-hmm. because their sleep is so disruptive. That's number one. Number two is Would they see students who actually do all pull all nighters to study and say, I'm gonna cram and everything so I can remember, you actually remember less mm-hmm. when you sit for the exams. Somehow your brain, the connections don't happen. And the other reason this is very important is we always say have a bedtime routine. So if you're watching a horror movie and then trying to go to bed, you will have the most disturbed sleep ever. Yep. You you get that? And that's why it's very important to do Pleasant things before your bedtime because your brain is the most active. The other thing that you need to understand is when you go to work, like a a big office building, you'll find that everybody gets out by six or seven, right? And then after about an hour, the lights come on, little lights. What's happening, it's actually the janitor that's getting into the building, cleaning out, emptying the uh, garbage bins and vacuuming the floor or dusting, whatever it is. That's exactly what happens to our brain. When we go to sleep, we have the glial cells in the brain that actually, the cerebrospinal fluid that is washing the whole system out. And what does it do when it's washing? It takes away the broken down cells or our dead cells. And the lysosomes, which are we call the janitors of our body, they replace nutrients for the multiplying cells. When you don't give rest to your brain, none of this happens. So you basically just
1: don't even make new connections in your brain. Essentially,
0: your memory is gone. So when people mm-hmm. say I don't remember things as well as I used to, I always ask, "How's you sleep?" Sleep more. It's really trying to get to sleep more. And the commonest complaint is, I try to sleep, I try to get a, get into bed, but I don't sleep. But I I sit on the on the sofa, watch TV, and I fall asleep. Right. Mm. So one of the things that ha- the reason that happens is you've made it a habit. And we are creatures of habit. If I sit on the, and for me, I go on a car ride and my husband tells me I'm the worst passenger ever. <laughs> I will just doze off. Mm-hmm. I can never be a good passenger keeping the driver awake. It's like, for me, that's my lull. Any time of the day I could go to sleep if I'm in a moving car. Some of us are built that way. But in general, if you make it a habit to sit on the sofa, watch TV and doze off, and that's your sleeping time, and then you get up and say, okay, maybe I should get to my bed, you become wide awake. You've created a new habit. So what you need to do is if you get to bed and you're wide awake, and they say this all the time, if you're wide awake in bed, don't try to get anxious, tossing and turning, trying to sleep, get up, get up and do something like Don't go back and watch TV. That's not what you should be doing. You should be reading a book or you could do some uh, needlework. Or you could just sit there and breathe. I mean, do something that relaxes or listen to music. Something that's relaxing, nothing, not hip hop or, you know, rock and roll, but you want to listen to something that's very relaxing. And the minute you begin to feel the drowsiness go back to bed, that's what needs to happen. So sleep is very, very essential. Your deep sleep is very essential. There are other things that disrupt the sleep besides our lifestyle. The most important and the most missed one is sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is where you go to bed, you're snoring, and you're tossing and turning. You don't, you may not remember it, but the person in your room wants to go to a different room to sleep because you're just making such a racket with your throat. And if that's the case, please make sure you get your sleep study done. People don't give enough importance. To sleep apnea, sleep apnea is one of the commonest causes of high blood pressure. It's the commonest causes of congestive heart failure, and it's a common cause of sudden death in a lot of people. So sleep apnea needs to be diagnosed and treated very, very early. A lot of times it may be just weight loss, but a good number of times it's the anatomy of your jaw line and how relaxed you are. So let's say you go to bed. Um, what should, what can you do? to get yourself to go to sleep and first of all let's look at why we need to sleep besides the fact that your memory improves one of the things that they find is when you give somebody a flu vaccine and if they haven't slept a week prior to the flu vaccine they don't develop antibodies against the flu vaccine wow so your immune system system actually is less when you don't sleep so you are susceptible to more viral infections Mm -hmm. So when your immune system, the innate immunity gets broken down because of a lack of sleep, you're putting yourself up for infections. So if you're one of those who gets frequent colds, frequent infections, check and see what's happening with your sleep. There's a question here. I have a question and my question is, can we compare night sleep and day sleep? Yes, we can compare. I'll I'll get to that in a minute. So not only your immune system goes down. The second one that uh, happens, which we find is most diabetics. Um, in fact, if you go to your doctor's office for your annual physical exam after a poor week of sleep because you've been traveling all over the place, you will be found to be insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. So it actually creates metabolic abnormalities.
1: And does that through like more of a hormonal pathway,
0: right? They it, it, find the... Uh, the pancreas, the beta cells don't respond to sugar Mm. and they're not, so they're not sensitive. So normally if you inject sugar into a person and if you ask them to eat sugar, the eating sugar actually creates a better response. But when you don't have enough sleep, that whole automated pathway from the mouth to the gut, your pancreas does not get the signal. So there's something Mm -hmm. wrong with the signaling pathway when you don't sleep effectively. So you get more metabolic syndrome. Now, the other very frightening thing, remember I said when you sleep is when the body clears out all the garbage cells, you're at a higher risk of cancers when you don't sleep. Oh, I never heard that one before. Yeah, so I think that's very powerful, right? Mm-hmm. Just knowing, and I find, when people come to me with advanced cancer very young, usually they've had a very stressful life. they um, I mean, Steve Jobs is a classic example with pancreatic cancer probably the man never slept and he probably expected the same of his employees uh elon musk is another huge one i don't know any of these people so if you know if by any chance they here i'm i'm sorry but i i feel like they're pushing themselves to the point where they their system is going to break down
1: I feel very like culturally too. It's like a good thing not to sleep and just always be doing and running around. Yeah.
0: And I think so. we, we promote that. We, yeah. we, we expect our doctors to be that way. I, I used to feel that when I was, you know, when I was running, running my private practice, when people would call you at 2 a.m. and say, you know, I just have a stomach pain. Do you think I should go to the <laughs> ER? You know, as much as I've never been rude to patients, but it's, that is very, um. what can I say? sometimes um, we don't realize you want your healer to actually have rest. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that their doctors are human beings. Uh, That's why ERs are there. That's why urgent cares are open late in the evening. And um, it's almost like, and that's what is expected of the profession. Um, So uh, to give you an example, when I did my residency, we didn't have a residency union. Uh, This was, It was a few years after I graduated that the union was formed. We had 33 people in our residency, in in my class. 32 of us had what we call post-call accidents. In other words, after we were on a night shift, which was usually 36 hours nonstop working, we would drive home and we actually, each one of us had an accident. So that's, in fact, uh, sleep deprivation causes more accidents than alcohol itself.
1: Yeah, I do remember learning that back in yeah. driving school.
0: Yeah, and that's it, know, that's it, 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 that says a lot about the impact of lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. So let's look at our shift workers. This is where the daytime, nighttime also comes. Shift workers in particular, there are uh, apparently there are 40%, and I, in a good reference book for people who want to learn a little more about sleep is Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. And uh, a lot of the papers he uh, refers to, you know, are available on PubMed too. But in general, this is what they find with um, in the general population. 40% of us are uh, what we call early larks. We wake up in the morning, and that's our rhythm. It's, they call it the chrono, uh, chronological type. Uh, what is your time? Your circadian rhythm, what is your rhythm? Your rhythm is you wake up in the morning, but you get to sleep. Earlier in the night, so I'm one of those. I can watch a night, uh, what do you call those um, nighttime movies, late night shows, late night oh, movies, yeah. like Saturday Night Live. I'll always see the opening and I'm done. <laughs> I can never go past the opening. So that's my. Um, so forty percent of the population is like that. There's a thirty percent of the population that are called night owls. They actually get active in the nighttime. Which means they go to bed only by one a.m. That's their natural rhythm, so they wake up at nine. Now think of a teacher who has to go to school at seven, and if she is a night um, owl, all her life she's working against her mm-hmm. internal clock. Yeah. Do you see that? So to answer that question, you have to know what you. That's why I always say, on your vacation time, instead of trying to plan all these activities allow yourself to sleep rhythmically when you're sleepy and wake up without an alarm to understand who you are. Are you a night owl? Are you an early lark? Are you in between? Can you manage both? You know, it doesn't matter if you get up early or sleep late. There's, there's a good lucky few who can do both, right? So you need to know what is your internal rhythm. So I know a lot of women, particularly nurses, they love to do the night shift because they're raising a family, but it's against their grain, every cell in their body. These are the nurses that will gain a lot of weight. They are developing metabolic syndrome through the night because they've disrupted their natural circadian rhythm. Now, the problem with this is most of us think, oh, I haven't slept now. I probably can sleep later. You know, I can catch up on the weekend. So I'm going to sleep in. This is a debt that accumulates with interest and you can never pay this debt off. I cannot emphasize why it's very important for us to actually hone in on our sleep rhythm and actually get to bed. So a couple of things that you have to do is, number one, we all know about light, right? We talk about um, having bright lights during the day and less light at night. And what does that really mean? Look at your sunrise. Our sunrise is now, I think, closer to 7 a.m. I don't think it rises before that because I get up at 5, thirty five and it's almost dark for two hours after I wake up. So I think it's around 7, 7.05 right now is the sunrise, and it's setting around 6.37 now. So we have 12 hours of sunlight. I don't put lights on in my kitchen till it's 7. So with sunrise, you bring in all the overhead lights, get your rooms bright, open the shades, get the place bright because your brain knows, you know what, it's daytime, I got to wake up. And what happens is a couple of hours before your actual waking, you you will wake up. Most of us do. I I know I wake up before my alarm, though I set an alarm and I will, the minute I wake up, I know it's exactly three forty-five. I will know if I look at the clock, I've done this every time. That's my internal rhythm. Remember the guy who told me I had to sleep only four hours? He got me this habit, (laughs) right? So 3.45, I'm waking up, but by nine o'clock, I know I'm ready to go to bed. So what I, one of the things that I've learned over the years about sleep is not enough that you keep yourself bright, all the windows open during the daytime. As the sun is setting, you need to shut all your overhead lights. First of all, you'll save on electricity.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: And second, you will be in rhythm with your body's hormones. So shut off all overhead lights. There's absolutely no lights, technically speaking, but you can have what they call the orange lights. They are like um, orange or red lights. They're made by Philips and you can put them in lamps. Just put little lamps so you're not stumbling over things in your home. But have them in one de- in are the main areas most of us uh, walk around in the house. It's usually your kitchen, your dining room. If you have kids, they're probably doing work in their dining room, not in the library, not in the study. And so you're probably going to need area lighting in that, but small. But never put the overhead lights in the night. This is where you confuse your body. When you have those lights on, your body has no freaking clue whether it's daytime or nighttime. So look at the rhythm outside, look at the rhythm inside. So if you start dimming down your lights around 536 and by eight, you just have these orange lights and then you uh, hopefully you've done your dinner by then, then your body is also the cortisol is going down and you're getting ready to go to bed. So what happens to somebody who has struggled to go to bed for years because of poor habits and usually comes from college times, right? Where you're drinking late into the night and then partying all the way up to one. And then you decide you're going to, um, you know, you want to have a better rhythm and you've never gotten back your rhythm. One of the things to do is, um, I say, have a real, real cold shower. You know where you turn on the shower Uh and it is really cold and then slowly Increase it to a warm shower where it's really warm. You're looking at 100 degrees of temperature of the water. So it's totally warm. It's so warm that you can feel flushed. And then when you get into your warm bed, you actually will go to sleep much better.
1: Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about it in the morning.
0: No, mm-hmm. no, at night, just before bedtime. In fact, if you can have a bath, that's even better. If you mm-hmm. can actually soak yourself in Epsom salt, the magnesium and the warm water. The what happens is when you expose yourself to warmth, this uh, the body's trying to get rid of the heat, the core of the body cools down. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we find it's not only the light, it's also the drop in temperature that is going to help us go to sleep. Mm-hmm. The drop in light will increase melatonin. Melatonin we know is derived from serotonin. Serotonin becomes melatonin. Melatonin is stimulated by darkness of the light and the cortisol is going down. The melatonin is rising. So for the melatonin to rise, you need to have dark darkness. So you're going to have to shut the lights down and then slowly, as you get into bed, in fact, your bedroom should not have any lamps or overhead lighting. You just have it as a dark place. You just put these lamps um, and your if you can have this warm shower and then get into a nice cool sheets, you will sleep really well. So it's almost like a foreplay to go to sleep. You got to take care of your body. Got to listen to it. You can't have this huge tub of ice cream, watch TV and then try to go to sleep. That's not going to happen. That is like kicking your body and saying, okay, go to sleep. And it's not going to happen. So Lunch to your meal, the nighttime meal, in fact, should be earlier, about three hours before your actual bedtime. When you go to bed, you don't need a snack. Even if you're a diabetic, let me tell you, if you know how to adjust your insulin, you don't need a bedtime snack. I think the bedtime snack disrupts the cleaning of the brain. So try to avoid a bedtime snack. Know your body. I always say, create health. Don't try to. Manage disease. How do you create health? You gotta sleep really well. So when you get into the bedtime, you've already put in three hours effort to make it easy for your body to actually get a shut eye. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then when you go through it, the other thing which you have to remember is <coughs> uh, sleep disorders besides the sleep apnea is the sleep walking. So during the REM sleep, the last part. One of the things the body does is it's making these connections during REM cycle, you know, connecting your current memory to a previous memory and creating the correlations, and mm-hmm. therefore your intelligence actually improves. During that time, your body is actually paralyzed. And why is it paralyzed? Because during REM sleep, imagine if you're running from a tiger, and if your body is not paralyzed, you will enact. Mm-hmm. That running, and imagine getting out of your bed and running, and if you have a balcony, you run off the balcony and jump, and it can be very tragic. So sleep disorders that actually do not paralyze your body, where you sleep walk and sleep do stuff, that's a serious disorder too. That needs to be addressed, and we need to see what are the things that are causing the inflammation and the disruption of this pathway or this rhythm of sleep. A lot of times when you have sleep disorders, Sometimes it's an acute, acute emotional distress. A lot of times it's acute emotional distress and that's okay. I mean, you've lo- lost a loved one. You're not going to be able to sleep for days together. And that's fine. Let the body finish the grief and it never, the grief never goes away, but it gets better with time. Once you are past that hump, if you feel like you're not getting the sleep again because of the emotional distress, that's when you probably need a little help. It's exactly like jet lag, right? Mm-hmm. You travel eastward into an Asian country. It takes you about a week. Like my husband goes on a trip to on business. It's a week. And by a, a week's time, he's used switched. to the, yeah, yeah he switched over the rhythm yeah. and it's time for him to come back to the West. So that can be an issue. So one of the things we do recommend is I'm a big fan of melatonin, Um, taking melatonin um, to sleep in the new place at their bedtime. Mm -hmm. Once again, you have to remember when you get into another land and a different time zone, your body is still in the previous time zone. So you have to train it. Sometimes sleeping through the flight will help.
1: I think people also make the mistake of drinking a lot on the flight. So you think, okay, I'm going to drink a lot. Maybe I'll pass out for a couple hours on the plane. But That just totally screws everything up once
0: and you're there. I, I think the reason for that is we think of alcohol as a sedative. Mm-hmm. It actually is a stimulant in many ways. Alcohol and the, the biggest psychedelic that we're all addicted to is, of course, coffee, caffeine. So when you're drinking teas and coffees, especially after 2 p.m. or you drink alcohol, you are disrupting that whole phase. And it's a false notion. If I drink a little wine, I can go to sleep. You actually have a very disturbed sleep. So that's the person who needs to work with a sleep therapist to reset their sleep. Now, remember you came up with um uh, uh, herbal medication that you take when you... Oh, yeah, I take it all the time yeah it's a very clever name called no jet lag <laughs> so. it's called no jet lag uh, how how simple is that yeah just buy no jet lag and i think every two hours you take
1: yep so you take one mm-hmm. pill on takeoff and then you take it every two hours while you're there and then when you land you take one okay so it's got one two three five five herbs in it okay
0: mm-hmm. and the goal is to induce sleep
1: no, it actually helps your circadian rhythm to readjust to the sun okay. cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's not saying like you're not going to be tired at all, but I take it every single time I travel across time zones and my friends or whoever I'm traveling with don't. And there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I think they crash after a day. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Like, you know, you readjust, you're ready to go to sleep when it's time to sleep, you're up when it's time to be up. And coming back west is the hardest. Yeah, But it's still, I don't have that, you know, 24, 48 hours of just you know, being a groggy monster.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And then I I think the reason, there are two things, the forces that actually work up opposing each other, right? Uh, you have the cortisol that raises in the morning, and then you have something called adenosine. adenosine. Adenosine is the sleep pressure. So there's always pressure to sleep. And when you're in jet lag, the pressure to sleep is more than the cortisol. So there has to be a way you have to raise your cortisol, and I'm assuming these herbs, that's what they do. Somehow they increase your cortisol levels and uh, decrease your sleep pressure, which is the adenosine. And that's something that happens. If you're one of those who sits in a doctor's office and you're waiting and you actually dose off in the waiting room, you have a serious sleep problem because your cortisol is at its peak between 8 a.m. and 12 noon, and then it starts... Waning down and your adenosine goes up. So if you're actually dropping off asleep because you just have nothing to do, you need to make sure you get your sleep adjusted. And I can emphasize, guys, diabetics particularly, people who are struggling with weight, people who are struggling with energy, you got to get your sleep um, study done. Mm-hmm. It may be um, underlying sleep apnea that you haven't been diagnosed with, or it could be you're not getting enough depth of sleep because these stimulants you drink throughout the evening and you may not even know you may say hey it's just one cup of coffee at five but anything after 2 p.m might be too much Mm -hmm. so I I think being aware that you have a problem is the very first thing adjusting and saying I need six hours of sleep uh, which I did for a long long time till I realized you know and now with this uh, recent thing of the flu and I haven't really had that deep sleep I realized how what a good sleeper I was, and when my sleep was disrupted, I'm like literally not feeling myself. So sleep is extremely important. I cannot. It is. It's, it's, it's actually a vital sign. It's a vital function. It it enhances your performance, mind wise and even body wise. Um, it uh, keeps you metabolically well balanced. It keeps your strength, your muscle mass. All of those are in. You're in much better shape. Um, both mentally and physically when you have adequate sleep. So if you're struggling to sleep, the other thing is, what do we do? We go and tell our doctors, I can sleep. And you get a sleeping pill. And then you say, you know what? I actually sleep better. That's like as good as drinking an alcohol. Most of these sedatives, they find, because they disrupt melatonin, there's a lot of disruption. There's an increased incidence of cancer. And, how do we get the um in fact, if you find um uh, if you go to a naturopath who actually um it treats uh, gives you the alternative uh, treatment for cancer, melatonin um almost twenty milligrams is what they recommend They want your melatonin levels high if you don't have enough melatonin, you're at a high risk for cancer so sleep medications are a short term solution for but it's not a long term um solution because this is a serious problem. It's a serious problem that can create diseases, insomnia. And I I think you should be modified if you have insomnia. Don't take it lightly. Don't say, I just take a little melatonin and 5-HD and GABA. And, you know, people are on a bunch of supplements trying to get to sleep. You got to figure out what what is wrong with your internal rhythm. What are you not listening to? Um, As far as companies go i think when they um you will have more productivity if the people in your company actually get to sleep and if you are one of those who needs to support a company across the ocean you know some of uh, we've had clients who've actually support the asian branch of their company and they would their their hour starts at 3 a.m yeah right, right and, and they, they work meetings. all the way up to 3 p.m with yeah meetings and other stuff um they were also very tough folks to actually help mm-hmm. because till they realize how important and essential sleep is, which means they needed to sleep at 7 p.m. the previous night so they can get in eight hours of sleep before they are up and supporting, you know, their, that branch of um, their company. So early morning workers and night shift workers are at a higher risk for sleep-induced disorders.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, so, and, and then um in some cultures, particularly, I think in the Mediterranean, even in the Indian culture, the Asian culture, people nap in the afternoon. I
1: was just going to ask you, what about naps? Yeah. Are your siestas?
0: Siestas are actually very good, they're very powerful, but siestas are really siestas, they're half hours. Mm -hmm. If you're one of those that goes to bed and cannot wake up for three hours, you have a sleep deprivation problem. Most people will do a really a quick nap for a half hour to one hour and they actually wake up feeling refreshed. If you're sleeping for three hours and you're dragging yourself and then you're not able to sleep at night, that is a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's the other balance that you have to create where you're actually napping. And you actually wake up refreshed from the nap. In fact, I think some of the companies have napping places. You can actually it's go and nap, nap pods. Yeah, yeah. You can go actually nap and come back and you're more productive mm-hmm. at work. Um I, I think the key thing is how do you cut off work after a certain time in the day? Right. And I think you should set a time. I've set myself now 8.30. So after 8.30, I'm not on the computer or on TV. I actually um, do either writing or reading an article or reading a book. And sometimes I do reading in the bed because it does help me to go to sleep. Sometimes I'm listening to an audible and, you know, I, I think my husband comes and turns it up because... I'm in Chapter 7, and I remember (laughs) distinctly listening to Chapter 1. Just keep listening to the same one over and over (laughs) again. (laughs) I know. I'll only listen to the first three, and then I (laughs) I, I dose off. So, uh, again, different habits that you form to get yourself to sleep is extremely important. Um, Getting hooked on sleep medicines long-term is never a solution. Avoiding caffeinated drinks after 2 p.m. In fact, I would say afternoon um, is something that you should make a concerted effort to do. Um, and then, of course, the lights, shutting off the lights and cooling down your body. That's why even in uh, the hotter countries, in the nighttime, there's always that uh, coolness at night. You'll find it's blazing hot in the daytime, but in the night, it always cools down because everything, all animals will go to sleep. We go to sleep, too, as the cold body temperature falls. So the other way to induce that is to have this hot shower. The heat okay. will create the uh, coolness internally and that's another good way to actually go to bed so that's pretty much i think an overview of why we should sleep and why um what are the few things that we can do to um um actually you know understand our sleep rhythm and then the other thing is know your sleep rhythm if you're a night owl maybe you need to find jobs that'll uh maybe you're a night shifter and you Probably, and and then if you're a um, early morning person you should probably not do the night shift and you should and I think as people age they do make those changes because they realize that certain things take a toll on them uh, but do it effectively be aware and like I said a practice like ours always teaches people to connect with their own um, uh, body their symptoms. It's not about what other people do. It's about what you need, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have a disease process, especially metabolic syndrome or diabetes, we always talk to you about your sleep because inflammation of the brain is a huge portion of why we never sleep. And inflammation comes when you have an underlying infection or you're not eating the right Uh, the nourishment, are you eating at the wrong time, or you're constantly having a cortisol surge because you're constantly stressed, your life is stressful. So those are all the things. So so there are a lot of modifiable uh, factors in life that you can bring into play, but uh, make sleep like a rhythm. You know, it has to be very rhythmic when you're going to turn off the electronics, if it's possible, two hours before bedtime, eating four hours before bedtime, making sure you're hydrated, and then making a sleep like almost a religious ritual where you're showering, getting into bed, and having no electronics. Unless you are one of those who needs to answer emergency calls in the middle of the night, there's absolutely no reason for you to have a phone in your bedroom. There's this thing called an alarm clock I've heard of before. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of alarm clocks because, again, you're trying to wake yourself up. I'm you say, should It's be, not a phone. <laughs> yeah, it's not a phone. That's true. But people tell me for a large number of reasons why they need to have the phone. They, are, mm-hmm. they have teenage kids and they want to maybe be available if they're calling and all of those things. I mean, there are different reasons why we have. But what happened to those moms and dads? when we didn't have cell phones, how did they manage? So we're just gonna have to create boundaries so we can actually sleep. And the most important thing, this is the one deal breaker, no TV in the bedroom. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I cannot emphasize that. There's nobody who needs to lay down in bed and watch TV.
1: The news is not gonna help you sleep.
0: Absolutely, and nothing else. Even if you say, I used to say, I wanna watch a comedy show, I wanna laugh and sleep. Yeah, I can go and watch the comedy show, and two hours later go to sleep. You know, it's I can still do that. Um, it, it's it's a journey, um, and if you are like very disrupted, take the first step is be aware that sleep is a very vital function, and it's vitally important for your brain function, for your memory, for your well being. And once you look at it that way, just like I mean, we all look at food as something. Oh my God! If I don't eat one meal, they're gonna die. No, you're not gonna die. If you fast. You will actually be better, and during fasting is your sleeping time. So don't get into that fridge at ten o'clock and have a little scoop of ice cream just because you're hungry, or, or all of, yeah, or bored. Yeah, usually people eat because they're bored. Um, you know, have a rhythm and make sure you create that bedtime routine. So when you sleep, it's a deep sleep, and embrace the sleep and don't look at it as. Uh, Badge of honor that you don't have to sleep more than four hours because it will take its toll.
1: If all of those aren't good enough reasons, lack of sleep does cause weight gain.
0: Absolutely, it's one. I think it's one of the commonest. In fact, I think when patients come to our clinic when they're coming for follow up, the first question is about sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sleep and bowel movements are two things that we are very obsessed about. And if that's not in rhythm, then I know they still have a lot of inflammation going on in the brain or something else is happening. So we need to address that.
1: all comes down to pooping and sleeping pooping
0: and sleeping yeah and um not not necessarily eating (laughs) i want to make that very clear so if there are any questions i will be happy to answer them i think i just given you a like a summary and an overview i know we had one question so daytime sleeping if you're a daytime sleeper you're a daytime sleeper but you need to know that
1: um that's not where you've slept at night and then you're feeling exhausted either so that's
0: Issue, yeah, I think, got all of the questions. I think so. It says four comments by Oly C2, so mm-hmm. I have no idea. Well, I w- we will see the comments when it um it comes up after we uh are done with the podcast. But once again, guys, thank you so much for joining us, those of you who have joined us, and always post questions if you're watching the podcast later or listening to it um later. Uh, we'll be happy to answer those questions. But I uh, the final solution always is um, trying to do as much as possible naturally for that you need to create an environment both internally and externally. And um, as always, we are located in Novi. And go on to our website, HolisticIcon.com, for any further information. We will upload the podcast in a couple of weeks up on the website. And if you uh, like to receive the podcast with show notes, make sure you get onto our website to sign on for our newsletter. And that way we can get your email and get you all of the information and anytime you can unsubscribe. So it's not like, you know, oh my God, she gets my email. She's going to, no, I don't try to sell anything. I think our service sells itself. But if you are looking for a functional medical practice, we are located in Novi, Michigan. And thank you very much for all the support for those of you who have supported us all these um, years, and we look forward to continuing to educate you. And uh, once again, this is Dr. Shalom and Marina from Holistic and Integrative Center of Novi, and our podcast is called Women Wired for Wellness. Take care, guys. Alrighty then, if you've listened to this podcast fully, I would like to hope you have gained some new knowledge, a different way of thinking, and have benefited from it. If so, would you please do me a favor and share this with your family and friends? I do, however, want to mention that nothing that is stated in this podcast or written in the show notes should be construed as medical advice. We would like you as an individual to seek your medical advice from your specific provider. Our goal has all along been to dig into some existing truths, try and make it simple, So we all have a better understanding of our options out there to live fulfilling lives. It may be also prudent for me to mention the obvious here that no doctor-patient relationship was ever formed. In closing, I am grateful that you joined us and please do not forget to leave a review or share this info. Signing off till next time, I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chalam.